I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. And we're back, folks. Welcome back to Resource, real talk about Louisville real estate. I am your host, Jay Pitts, broker owner of REMAX Premier Properties, leader of JT Pitts and Associates. Uh, I'm excited about the topic we're going to talk about today, but let's pay the bills first. Going to try to keep it brief, not take up too much time. We definitely want to let you know how to interact with the show, though. We are live right now on Facebook in our Facebook group. It is a private group, but it is searchable. You are able to res- to find the group to request access if you meet one of, two, or really two conditions. You're a local Louisville real estate agent. Local Louisville real estate agent, and you would like to get in on the conversation in the private group. I've had to remove a few posts lately. Remind you guys, it's not for advertising your listings. This is not your Facebook feed circa 2004. Uh, but, you know, be there for the conversation. Be there for, you know, the comments, for the camaraderie of your fellow agents who think like you because we do, in fact, have a community of folks that enjoy a lot of the same viewpoints. You know, not the same. We, we, we might have a, a polite disagreement here and there, but we would love to have you a part of the group nonetheless. It does not have to be, you know, an echo chamber. So that is... Real resource, real talk about Louisville real estate. You can search that on Facebook, find find and request access. We will get you approved. If you'd like to be sent an invite, happy to do that as well. You can find me via any of the typical social channels. Not that difficult to find. J Pitts Realtor on Instagram at JTPA Louisville on Twitter. J underscore Pitts on TikTok. Um, You can find the page for the resource podcast at facebook.com slash the resource podcast. And you can find full episodes of the show, both video uh, variety and audio on several different platforms, video at youtube.com slash realtor. You can also find snippets of the show on Instagram reels. Snippets, um, you know, are available on YouTube as well. Uh, you know, a lot of different places you can find us. Where you can find us most likely is anywhere you podcast, number one, but especially on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, if you will. Give us a follow. Five-star reviews are certainly appreciated. Um, any reviews, we we do appreciate, but those five-star variety really touch us and are near and dear to our heart. Spotify as well, uh, iHeart, Stitcher, Deezer, Google Podcast, anywhere you find it, Amazon, you can find us there as well. All right, now that the bills are paid, let's get down to it. Uh, real simple topic for today. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. Um, depends on how you look at the real estate industry. This is kind of a geek out moment for me. Um, but I shared an article. I shared an article uh, by Realtor.com. Okay. Now, those of you that are in the real estate business, you obviously know, just like consumers do, that Realtor.com is one of, if not the most important place to search for real estate on the web. Probably second in traffic to Zillow. Um, second in lead generation to Zillow. But uh, nonetheless, they are a force, okay, in how the consumer, you know, it, you know, views our industry and what we expect. So 
Um, this article I thought was quite interesting. Interesting enough that I spent an entire small group meeting with my top team leaders, and I also put it out on you know our company intranet to ask for opinions, received several comments, and I'm pretty excited about the discourse that kind of ensued, so I thought I'd bring it to the podcast for you today. Um, the title of the article, and we'll share the link in the show notes and also on the Facebook group, is Wall Street versus Main Street, 10 cities where first-time buyers are battling investors for the best homes. Now, other than the fact that Realtor.com should really, really hire me to voice record their uh, article topics because of the you know inflection, um, I-, I think it's kind of a clickbait title, to be fair, because I'm not even sure how much Wall Street really has to do with it. But there is a dynam- dynamic that exists in the real estate space, specifically residential, where you're seeing several developments, okay? Number one, you know, for the purpose of this conversation is we need to understand that real estate investing, investing in real estate, specifically residential real estate investment, is at an all-time high in terms of popularity. Now, before we get started, before I should go any further, I should probably say, Um, You watch this podcast for hopefully a couple of reasons or listen for a couple of reasons. Number one, you think I might have something to say. You agree with my opinions. You like to be exposed to topics that you may not be exposed to otherwise. All those are fair, right? But it should be noted that I'm just one person. I'm one person with a fair amount of experience, with a fair amount of success in residential real estate, um, with, with, with an acumen for real estate investing with some personal experience doing that and representing those that do that on a, on a profitable basis. I operate a property management company as well. Um, so I know the ins and outs of real estate investing. I grew up around it. Small, smaller scale real estate investing. Uh, we're not talking REITs. We're not talking, uh, you know, syndication or anything like that. Buying rental houses, buying small apartment buildings, flipping properties, that kind of thing. But I'm just one person, right? Now, I think my opinion, which, is, which the things that I tell you on this podcast are certainly my opinion, um, it, you should take it into consideration that there are you know, quite a number of opinions out there, and mine's just one. Okay, so bear that in mind. This is an editorial situation, okay? I'm not the New England Journal, Journal of Medicine, Okay, I'm not trying to be the New York, you know, Times and be the paper of record. Okay, I don't expect you to take what I say as fact. I expect you to take what I say, investigate, you know, apply your own lens, and then use it however however you see fit. And if you don't like what I say, then don't turn don't tune in, right? But um, I'm trying to give you what I feel like I've learned over, you know. I guess what is a fairly substantial career in real estate now and a lifetime of being around real estate. So back to the article. It's not about Wall Street because investors are not Wall Street. Now, there are some Wall Street investors, but in most markets, I would even venture to say eight or nine out of 10 of the markets that are covered in this this article are not impacted whatsoever by the actions of Wall Street, okay? So it is, you know, Main Street versus Market Street, if you will, okay? With Main Street being the owner-occupant and Market Street being the small-time investor, 
with relatively little scale in terms of staffing, time devotion, of, you know, capital and systems, a, a relatively small amount of scale, they're the ones that Main Street is competing for for the best homes. Now, you have to understand battling is also a charged piece of language. The best homes is a subjective term. You know, there's no, there's no fair housing violations uh, in this title, but we're walking right up to that, okay? So once again, um, I'm going to kind of go through each and every one of these markets. And I'm going to provide a little bit of analysis and how I feel like they interact with one another. Number one, I should say that this, this list is not, um, you know, trying to make the claim that the top market on this list is the best for real estate investment. Um, really it's not even saying where the competition is at its, you know, highest peak. It's just ranking markets quite simply, by its percentage share of buyers being investors. And I would say that it's a bit of a leap to say that because there's a high share of investors, that those investors are competing with owner-occupants. I, I think that's a leap. But the article goes on also to provide a median listing price for those same markets and a median rental price for available rental units in these markets. And I think it's fascinating to consider how those items correlate. So without further ado, number one on the list is Memphis, Tennessee, with 17% of all buyers in that market as of July of 2021 being investors. It also comes in at a median list price of 249000 quite similar to Louisville, and a median rent of $1,217 a month. Now, before we move forward, what I'd like you to consider is $1,217 in median rent is pretty high, especially considering the purchase price of $249,000 for a home that meets the median. So remember that as we go back. Um, as we come back in a moment. Number two on the list is Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, Ham, Alabama, Mid-South, uh, Mid-South Market, capital of Alabama, I believe. I'm research- going back to my, my uh, elementary school education here. Um, share of investor buyers July of 2021 is 16%. Birmingham also has a median listing price of 271000 with a median rent of 1115. So you see a slightly higher median list price and a slightly lower median rental price, which would you know lead one to believe that it may be slightly less enticing to invest in real estate in Birmingham as compared to Memphis, Tennessee. Just being a very simple factor, we know that there are, you know, lots of things that go into that that calculation. But this would give you some indication that that were the case. Number three on the list, St. Louis, Missouri, drops down to fourteen percent of all buyers in July were investors, with a median price of two fifty. Again, very similar to Louisville, eleven fifty on the median rents. Very, very similar to Memphis. 
slightly lower on rent, virtually the same median price, but very similar. Okay, moving on, Charlotte, North Carolina. Share of investor buyers being 13% and watch the median list price jump to 390. Roughly 150,000 in the top three on the list. What's that mean? We'll get, it, get into it in a moment. Median rent also jumps, you know, about $300 to $1,543 a month. Number five, Jacksonville, Florida. You know, we've all heard stories of people flocking to Florida. Um, 13% of investor buyers, median list price, 370 slightly lower than Charlotte. Median rent, $1,446. Again, slightly lower than Charlotte. Number six, Phoenix, Arizona, moving out west. 12% of buyers are investors. As we know, as we go west, prices tend to rise when you start getting in back into urban centers. $475 average or median list price in Phoenix. However, the rent jumps only to $1,700 a month. Interesting. Number seven on the list, Oklahoma City. Quite an interesting outlier with 11% of buyers being investors in July of this year. Median list price of $277. That's not the outlier. But the median rent, only $850 a month. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Number eight, Indianapolis, Indiana, close to home. Total share of investor buyers 10% this summer. 280 is the median list price and 1168 in rent. Slightly, you know, higher than some of the Midwestern cities we've already seen on the list, uh, with a median rent about on par with 1168. Then number nine, with tied with 10% of uh, share of buyers being investors this summer is our home city of Louisville. You had to know that Louisville was going to be on the list when I spent so much time kind of, you know, analyzing. 250000 average or median list price with a median rent of 1035 So uh, quite interesting to see Louisville come in at very similar numbers to Indianapolis, you know, about a equal share of growth or equal share of distance between median rent percentage-wise as is the uh, increase in prices, but also, you know, very similar to several other Midwestern cities that we see on this list. Number 10, and last on the list is Las Vegas, going back out west with a median list price of $430,1,548 a month median rent and 10% share equal to Louisville and Indianapolis. So lots of takeaways here. And I hope you're asking yourself some questions. If you're just listening, uh, you don't have access to this link. I understand. Um, it may be a lot to digest, but what I want you to do okay, is get this article. If you're listening on iTunes right now, if you're listening on Spotify, pause this, okay, go to the show notes and find this link. Pull this article up and be looking at it as you're listening to me speak. I just went through most of it, okay, but I'm going to talk about some really interesting takeaways that I seem to have by looking at these very basic numbers. Number one, uh, most of the Midwestern cities are industrial cities with what I would guess are homes of a substantial age, nearing end of useful life. Lots of building occurred in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, not 
predominant new construction and sprawl that happened in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and to current. That's number one. Okay, number two, uh, lots of these cities are of similar size. Louisville actually, along with probably Birmingham, being one of the smallest cities, and I uh, major metropolitan areas, you know, tend to, you know, quote, population in terms of MSA or market service areas, you know, et cetera. So I'm really not entirely sure that Birmingham isn't larger than Louisville, but they are probably more similar than many. But when you when you consider, you know, the cities of Memphis, when you consider the city of St. Louis, Charlotte, uh, OKC, Oklahoma City, Indianapolis, those are all relatively similarly sized cities. They're, you know, cities with professional sports teams, but they're not on the level in terms of population that you will find in Atlanta, a Dallas, a Houston, an LA, a New York, a Chicago. So these are not the largest urban centers in the United States. Okay. But, um, you know, they also tend to happen. They, you know, in the, you know, either the Rust Belt, the Mid-South, or the, or the Midwest. Uh, Mid-South, Midwest, and the Rust Belt is where one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the ten, and then slightly, with OKC slightly further out west, you know, Vegas and Phoenix are certainly the West Coast outliers, okay? That's another thing to consider. Similar cities with similar demos, with similar histories, with similar population sizes, okay, all are these areas that, you know, tend to have a large percentage of real estate investing, enough to justify the writing of the article, where investors are competing with market media, with with homeowners, new homeowners, first-time buyers, or at least, you know, end-user buyers, owner-occupant buyers, for market median properties. I find it fascinating. Let's talk about the couple of outliers, okay? What brings Phoenix to this conversation? You know, they're the highest, I believe. Let's check that one more time. Uh, Phoenix is, you know, number six on the list, Pardon. Charlotte has a 390 average sales price. Uh, Jacksonville has a 370 average or median price. Phoenix has 475, and I think that that exceeds. Yes, Vegas is 430. So Phoenix has the highest median sales price of any metropolitan area on this list. Okay, and when you look at their rent of fifteen hundred and forty-eight dollars a month, that hardly keeps pace with the increase in price. Presuming, okay, that, you know, a large share of investors are looking for rental property, the, it's, it, it, you know, just a very, very basic analysis tells us that Phoenix may be, you know, the least desirable city on the list in terms of the type of income, the amount of income that the rental investment will produce. So why is it still on the list? Why are there 10% of all properties Okay, being purchased this summer in the city of Phoenix going to investors. It's quite interesting. Well, I, I can, I'll posit a theory 
Phoenix is the home, is the birthplace of the iBuying revolution. Revolution may be a strong word, but iBuying is, you know, this tech-enabled wholesaling of property where, you know, algorithms are used to determine, you know, essentially, you know, certain criteria about a piece of property, how much it will appreciate in value, what rent it will um, it will command what sort of maintenance costs it will require, you know, based on the age of the property, based on the location of the property, the zip code, the, the demographic features of the city. Phoenix is the area where these companies started. Now, they've infiltrated all markets around the country. Even here in Louisville, we have a substantial buyer out in the marketplace on an institutional level buying up market median homes for, you know, Ownership. Now, I told you at the beginning of the episode that I didn't think Wall Street was really the culprit here, except for in Phoenix. Okay? That's where these companies, you know, that's where their origin is. So they're going to buy closest to home. Why did they originate there? Probably because their algorithm tells them that Phoenix is a market where they would have substantial success. Now, there's a lot of lot of other reasons I won't get into all right now. I one one of which I will quote is that Phoenix is a relatively young city by comparison to Indianapolis or Louisville, right? Um, you know, there's some Oklahoma City. There are some other older cities on on this list. I think you see some similar uh, similar aspects of the evaluation with it when it comes to Jacksonville and Las Vegas, uh, higher average prices, lower, uh, higher median prices, lower median rents, but the expectation of appreciation and economies of scale, you know, basically telling us that, you know, 390 appreciates at 4%, just like 250 does, but 390 creates more wealth when it does that same appreciation rate. So these are also cities that got hit really, really hard during the Great, Depre- the Great Recession. You have Vegas, you know, Jacksonville was the fastest growing city in the state of Florida at the time that the Great Recession hit. The foreclosure crisis decimated the real estate market in that city. Um, lots of investors bought up property, you know, during that time, creating this culture of investment, right, that has continued today. We've had a long run of good real estate markets since 2008 when all of that started. Vegas is no different. Phoenix was the same. So when you add these kind of, you know, individual influences to the market, it's no wonder that they find their way to the list with a, with with greater than 10% of their purchases being investors despite having a rather unfavorable relationship between the median rent and the sale price. So I, I must say, you know, this particular episode is, is, is a long time coming for me. This is, uh, this is validating. If you go back and you, you listen to things that I've been kind of speaking on the podcast, if you've been in my trainings, if you've been in my meetings, I've told you that Louisville has a very, very favorable relationship between pricing and rents for the investor, okay? We have a very stable, okay, middle class here in Louisville, 
okay, lower middle class even. We have a lot of manufacturing. We have a lot of stable employment. We have uh, less than typical swings when it comes to our economy. When there is a recession, we are hurt less. When there is a boom, we are we are helped less. Um, and expectation, comfortability, affordability ensues. So when you look at and rank these cities by relationship, just simply dividing the median rent by the median price, that'll give you a ratio. Call it a rent-to-buy ratio. It reorders the list entirely, landing Memphis at number one. Memphis, with $1,217 a month in median rent and $249,000 median price, it, it ranks at number one. Now, I have some... some um, you know, some, some theories as to why that might be the case. There's no state income tax in the, city, in, in the state of Tennessee. You know, that is uh, enticing to folks. There are other taxes. Um, there's a lot, there are other tax implications. There's a lot of good stuff there, okay? They also have a pretty small population of real estate, real estate uh, professionals, leaving a lot more um, work to the investors and, you know, they might trade some on their own because of lack of cost there. Who knows if that's the case, but, um, you know, when you consider how Louisville compares, it falls just behind that at number two or three, really probably number three, but virtually a dead tie with Indianapolis. Um, and you know, I wouldn't have expected Indy to be quite as favorable, being a larger metro area, if I had to guess, um, I would say that um, you know some of the things that Indianapolis has as a city, professional sports teams, et cetera, drive some rent prices higher there. Um, while in certain sectors, while the vast majority of their sales comes in the suburbs, and that brings their average price down a little bit, but that's just a guess. Um, Louisville doesn't have those things. But what I can tell you is the state of Kentucky and the city of Louisville are incredibly favorable for real estate investing. I represent a lot of investors from around the country that are priced out of their markets. I really wish we had these, these numbers for New York City or Southern California or Miami or Atlanta or Chicago, some of these markets where it is incredibly cost prohibitive to even consider a real estate investment. The returns are negligible. It's a savings account. It's a CD. Certificate of deposit. A lot of you probably don't even know what that is because it's so unfavorable. Patrick, do you know what a CD is? Ever heard of a certificate of deposit? No, not a compact disc. I'm surprised you know what that is. Um, but a certificate of deposit is a banking instrument where you have a contract to provide money to the bank for a set period of time and they pay you a contract interest. Used to be 5 6%. They almost don't exist now. Pretty incredible. But that's what buying real estate in Chicago is. It's something that's probably not going to lose value, but it's not going to yield any income either. And your rate of return is reliant solely upon your long-term hold strategy that allows the price to increase. It's buying Tesla stock. Maybe slightly less volatile. You know, it's buying and owning Bitcoin for 100 years. 
not 100 days, okay? Buying real estate is the ultimate store of wealth. In an inflationary environment, real estate will continue to appreciate. While your interest rate that you borrowed against the property more than likely stays fixed, you pay back less valuable dollars than you borrowed. Let that sink in. If your dollar is worth less tomorrow than it is today, then you're paying and you're paying back a fixed amount. The dollar you exchange is worth less than the dollar you borrowed. Everybody understand me here. I'll say it again. The dollar you pay back is less valuable than the dollar you borrowed. Now, the rents are also worth less. Not worthless, but worth less. Well, I suppose they could be worthless. But we'd have other problems on our hands if that was the case. Real estate is the ultimate store of wealth. What is, it re- what is required to be a store of wealth? A limited supply. That in an inflationary environment tends to increase in value. What are the side and corollary benefits? It's tax. The interest is tax advantaged. So you pay interest, you deduct that interest from your taxes. Not only that, you get to paper depreciate the asset over time. Paper depreciate, you understand what I mean? Take a loss. You must recapture it at some point, but if you're a savvy, you know, a savvy planner, you can, you know, change how things go there. So to kind of put a bow on this, as real estate agents in the greater Louisville area, you should really read this article. You should read and understand why Louisville should be number one or two or three on this list instead of number nine. Because this article doesn't portend to state the best markets for investment. But it makes a compelling argument for some of the cities on this list. I think there's a bit of confirmation bias here, but in the best kind of way. If a market has a high percentage of investors buying property, that means somebody knows something that you don't know. Okay? And the conditions surrounding buying real estate in Louisville from a professional, I will tell you, are quite good. And out of these cities, the sideline issues, there's way more than we can talk about here. Um, The sideline issues, in my opinion, not from a self-serving standpoint, because certainly I would like to sell a whole bunch of investment real estate to folks that are here from out of town. I'd like to take it back into property management. I'd like to continue to make a fee to manage that asset. I'd like to be the listing agent when they decide to sell. I'd like to help them take it and do a 1031 tax-deferred exchange to buy something more expensive and make a commission there and take it back into management and rinse and repeat. I'd like to do all that, and that is self-serving. But also put my money where my mouth is. I'm looking for real estate to buy every single day. So if you're within the sound of my voice, if you're a friend, a real estate agent from a different market, take a look at Louisville. 
There are reasons which I can explain to you in a one-to-one scenario that I would buy here instead of Memphis, Tennessee. There are reasons why I would buy here instead of Birmingham, Alabama. There are reasons I would buy here instead of St. Louis or Indianapolis. I definitely wouldn't buy in Vegas. I definitely wouldn't buy in Jacksonville, and I definitely wouldn't buy in Phoenix. Um, And I don't know that I've missed any other – let me see. OKC, absolutely not because not only are you going to get low rents, but you're not going to get appreciation with it either. Um, And that's it. That's number 10. That's all 10. Louisville's number one on this list. I know it's a roundabout way doing a whole 30-minute podcast episode to tell you this, but the parting shot is if you're an investor or if you're a realtor, and if you're a realtor, you should be an investor, Louisville's a place to be. Very few other markets I would consider over Louisville. All right, that's all I got for you today, folks. Uh, Pay the bills one more time before we get out of here. Don't forget to check us out on the socials. You can find our private Facebook group, The Resource, uh, excuse me, Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate search feature or DM me and I'll get you added. You can find us on facebook.com slash The Resource Podcast for uh, links to episodes, snippets, et cetera. Find me on the socials at Realtor on Instagram, at JTPA Louisville on Twitter, J underscore Pitts on TikTok. You can find full episodes and snippets at youtube.com slash Realtor. Don't forget about our sister piece of content, JTP University. We'll be recording another episode here momentarily, coming to you uh, once again out there in the marketplace. Don't forget to follow five-star review and share with a friend this podcast. We would love to have a growing listenership. Um, really, really proud of our several year listeners that we've had that have been so loyal to us and supportive of us. I'm not sure if you can give another five-star review, but I'd welcome you to try and give us a follow on Apple podcast or Spotify or wherever you podcast. Once again, my name is Jay Pitts, broker owner, Remax Premier Properties, host of Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate. We'll see you next week.